You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, and welcome to Form Now. I'm Taylor Kemp, and with me is Dr. Elizabeth Klein, a professor here at the Graduate School of Theology. Would you like to introduce what you teach, Dr. Klein? I teach theology. You teach all I, um, kinds of things, actually. Uh, I wrote my dissertation on St. Augustine, so I guess that's my area you of expertise, uh, early Christianity, that what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. Uh, and right now I teach the class on the creed, which is the first pillar of the catechism. Very nice. Uh, so today, as you alluded to, we were talking about someone from the early church, St. Marcella. Would you like to share a personal anecdote about St. Marcella? <laughs> so St. Marcella of Rome is uh, an early Christian saint, and I named my daughter after St. Marcella. So... Uh, Taylor asked me if there were any saints in January that I wanted to talk about. So I thought, you know, maybe we would talk about St. Marcella and she's yeah. not as she's not as well known. So it's fun it, to share. And it was a tremendous blessing for me because I did not know very much about St. Marcella. But uh, Dr. Klein, you had this great book, uh, Lives of Roman Christian Women, uh, produced by Penguin Classics. And in it is a uh, length, somewhat lengthy letter from St. Jerome about St. Marcella. So I had the great privilege of learning about her and she's really amazing. Yeah. So St. Jerome had a number of like women correspondents, mm -hmm. uh, even uh, got driven out of Rome because of rumors about how many women correspondents he had. So yep. Jerome, you know, crotchety Jerome. So, <laughs> so a number of uh, Jerome's letters are also written to Marcella. And then in this lengthy letter, he writes about Marcella uh, to a kind of pupil or fellow monastic named Principia mm -hmm. uh, about her, praising her, uh, praising her life after she died. And it's really moving. Uh, I mean, you could, you could tell St. Jerome really loved uh, St. Marcella. So uh, just a little background on her. She was born in 325, uh, which was the Council the C Council of Nicaea, uh, and then died soon after the sack of Rome in, in 410. Uh, she was widowed after just seven months of marriage and never remarried and commit was committed to a very different type of life, which we will talk about. Um, those are the basic uh, details. So yeah, let's... so it, and the, the fact that she was widowed after seven months, this is a common... Uh, thing that happens in a lot of these lives of early Christian women is that they're widowed at a young age. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're married to a wealthy Roman man. They inherit the property. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is something you see a little bit in the New Testament as well. So often these wealthy women who are widowed uh, then will turn their estate over basically into a monastic community mm -hmm. or turn it mm -hmm. over to the church. Uh, and this this is kind of a new thing still in the Western church, like the idea of having a monastic community. Mm. You know, when people like St. Marcel and St. Augustine are founding monastic communities in the 4th, yeah. early 5th centuries, this is still seen as a little bit of a weird thing hmm. to do. Interesting, yeah. uh, And Jerome mentions it a little bit uh, in the letter. Uh, and interestingly, St. Marcella says that, uh, he says of St. Marcella that she's inspired to found a monastic community by the exact same person who also inspired St. Augustine hmm. uh, to live the monastic life. Life, and that is uh, the famous life of St. Anthony, yeah. uh, St. Anthony of the Desert. Uh, in the case of Marcella, it's, a, it's actually even a cooler story because uh, her family, Jerome tells us, sheltered Athanasius, who was mm -hmm. a famous That's, bishop of Alexandria, yeah. who wrote the life of St. Anthony. So, you know, Athanasius is in Alexandria. He's uh, embroiled in the controversies following the Council of Nicaea about the divinity of Christ, uh, the Arian controversy, for those of you who know a little bit about early Christian history. Mm -hmm. So he's embroiled in the sea 
theological controversy, he gets exiled something like seven times from his own diocese. And apparently one of those times he shelved in Rome by Marcella's family. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and while he's there, he tells the story so cool. of Anthony of the Desert. Marcella's a little girl and she apparently hears this story wow. uh, and is very inspired by it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Ro- Roman women often were widowed young because they married young, mm-hmm, okay. uh, and they often married much older men. Yeah. So the average age of a, a marriage of a woman in this period would be something like between 12 and 16. Well, yeah. But often they'd be bearing men who were in their 30s or well, 40s. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's actually happens again. So Marcellus widowed after seven months, and then an older... Serialis, uh, yeah. Yeah, Serialis, uh, Roman centurion man, tries to get... Uh, him to marry her. And, or, and Marcella's mom wants her to marry him because of the benefits of, well, you'll get this inheritance. Um, and she says something along the lines of, mom, if I was to remarry, uh, it would be for a husband, not for an inheritance. Right. Which it made me think of, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you hear sometimes of the question of like, should you lo- should you marry for love or for money? <laughs> and Saint Marcel is like, well, definitely love, but I'm still not going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> right, and and this and this is you say you know her mother wants her to get married, and the, in Roman society, the idea of being an unmarried woman oh, who's yeah, living this alternate life is very strange. That is really something. Well, and, and the, uh, in in a sense, it. it not safe almost. Like how, how, you, how do you make your way? Right, back and that's yeah. often why these kind of early monasteries of women are in urban communities. Mm-hmm. So they live in like urban cities where they still have like families and connections. They yeah. don't necessarily live sort of in their own cloistered uh, place outside the city. That's not really how it works. And, and it really in the period just prior to Marcella, often women would kind of have spiritual marriages because it was so weird to not be married mm-hmm. that two people would agree to live together, you know, as brother and sister in Christ mm-hmm. in a kind of monastic relationship because mm-hmm. there wasn't yet this idea of, you know, for especially for women, there wasn't yeah. this idea of like, no, I'm actually just going to be yeah. married to Christ. Yeah. Um, and so she's she's kind of one of these these early pioneers of that, yeah, especially cool. in the West. So she is married for seven months, widowed, uh, refuses the um, the consul or centurion, um, and then she's inspired by Saint Anthony, and she commits herself to this very ascetic and kind of austere life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so what else does she do? Because she lives a fairly a, a rather long life. Yeah, um, so so she, what is she doing? Yeah, so she commits herself, you know, to prayer and fasting. Uh, but Jerome really praises her moderation mm-hmm. and one thing. And another thing he praises about her uh, is her ability to live this ascetic life as a witness in the city of Rome. Yeah. And so if you think about how many saints have like of Rome, you know, St. Yeah. Marcella of Rome, uh, Rome doesn't necessarily produce yeah. a whole bunch of saints. Because yeah. I'm trying to think if there's like an equivalent. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you'd say like maybe New York city, but it, yeah, as a place where it's very difficult to live, um, a faith filled life. Right. And, you know, cause, because it's just so much crowding or even just to live a kind of life at peace with the world. Mm. Uh, it's very difficult. And Jerome uh, praises Marcella because he says that no one in Rome had a bad word to say yeah. about her, which, you know, for, for somebody who got driven out of Rome because of rumors, it's <laughs> uh, like a big, that's a, you know, that's a major point of praise to say that she was able to live this ascetic life, but with such moderation mm. and grace and generosity <laughs> that she didn't make the kind of enemies that St. Jerome he's, had made. He's right yeah. about her. He's like, she's got something that I need, like yeah. whatever she's doing. Um, so uh, how, could you talk a little bit about 
about uh, Jerome and her friendship? What you know, like how how did they interact? What did they talk about? What what kind of filled out their right. friendship? Right. So it seems like one of the things that really drove their friendship was that Marcella sought Jerome out mm-hmm. uh, as a scripture scriptural mentor, so that she had a deep desire to understand the scriptures. And so Jerome tells us that whenever he was you know in town visiting Rome, uh, that she would seek him out and press him with questions, and she wouldn't be accept- she wouldn't be happy with mm-hmm. the first answer, but that she would kind of quarrel with him. And he mm-hmm. said not not in order to sort of be, uh, you know, quarrelsome, but in order that she would have the best answers. Yeah. Uh, that any any opposition that anyone could raise about the passage, she wanted to raise it yeah. and then have a ready answer for it. Uh, and he says that her manner of doing this uh, was very humble, mm-hmm. that the way that she asked um, didn't offend the people that she was asking, and that when people would ask her in turn for scriptural questions, he said all kinds of people would come to her then, uh, that she would always present the opinions as that of yeah. Jerome or of someone else. And, uh, you know, part of that is the structural society of, you know, what a woman is kind of allowed to yeah. <laughs> say or do, you know, especially if you yeah. maybe... She's um, definitely treading how to manage that kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I think there is a kind of there is a kind of lesson there because I know as someone who's a theologian that it's easy to you know take pride or pleasure in your own knowledge mm-hmm. and to to love your own knowledge of scripture more than scripture or yeah. something like that right it's it's a, it's a slippery slope it's always yeah. that temptation to pride there and the fact that both in her seeking after that knowledge and then her presentation of that knowledge was so pure and so humble is something that that Jerome recognized and. Yeah, I don't know if Jerome was the kind of person who was necessarily always <laughs> so modest yeah, about his own yeah. scriptural abilities, but you know. I like it too. Uh, I'm thinking of the encyclical where Pope Francis called for the Sunday of the Word of God, which is, I think it's the third Sunday um, of ordinary time after Advent. Uh, but one of the things that he does in there that is echoing uh, De Verbum, the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation from uh, Vatican II, is talks about the importance of listening to the Word of God. Like that we're not supposed to stand over the word of God and, and, and conform it to our preferences of life, but rather to see it as the measure of everything and to then allow ourselves to be conformed through this very active listening and dialogue with the Lord through his word. And I feel like you can see that in St. Marcella, um, where she's really seeking to understand it on God's terms in a way. Like she's, she's asking every possible question and she's not trying to find the answer that fits her life uh, and you can see her courageous response through the inspiration of St. Anthony and this committing to this difficult life, an austere life. But she's allowing herself to hear the word of God and and be changed rather than like, I just want to prove this or that or I want to. And I think a commitment to the sort of ascetical life was seen by many as a sort of commitment to a life of scripture hmm. and that really infused with scripture, mm-hmm. you know, re, you know, saying the psalm sort of morning to night is a feature that's commented upon often as like an aspect of early Christian monasticism that, mm-hmm. that you know, they're kind of living, breathing, everything in the psalms. And you, you see that, of course, now also in the monastic life. And mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of different diversity, but you, you know that, of course, that charism is still there in many different religious orders. And when, yeah. when St. Augustine wanted to retire to the monastic life, you know, he lives in a similar time and place to Marcella. He, he thought about it as a life of leisure to read the word of God. Yeah. Like that is, you know, he didn't end up getting to do that to be a bishop, no. but uh, that's what he conceived of. That yeah. was like his sort of dream. I mean, it sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Life, really of, life of total leisure. It sounds really great. So, um, did you want to add anything else? Um, 
Well, why don't we talk a little bit? So one one thing that's interesting about her living uh, in this time is that she lives through a very interesting historical period, yeah. as you mentioned, living between the first ecumenical council of Nicaea and the sack of Rome in 410. Mm-hmm. So the sack of Rome uh, is a, an enormous event mm-hmm. uh, in the fifth century because the walls of Rome hadn't been breached for a thousand years. Yeah. And so it's a very... Gosh, that's crazy. Uh, so, yeah. you know, like in, in our modern psyche, it's something like, we all know that no empire lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Right? We all know that. And yet at the same time, we don't actually expect, yeah. you know, the yeah. end of the empire yeah. that we know of, or the end of, you know, the world powers that we know yeah. of to, to come in. And and so for that, psychologically, it was, is, is yeah, a huge event. Yeah. Uh, and that event actually precipitates Augustine's writing of the city of God yeah. against the idea that Christians caused the fall of Rome. Uh, and so, um, so it's just, it's cool. It's a cool historical fact uh, yeah. that that's when she dies. Uh, but also it's kind of a beautiful peek into what happened in Rome at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the barbarians are coming in and they're looking for all of this treasure and they mm-hmm. kind of bash down the door of St. Marcella's uh, estate, which is, you know, then a monastery. Uh, and they're looking for all of the, the mm-hmm. treasure, um, and, you know, the line that's given is that there, you know, she has nothing because she stored all her wealth in the bellies of the poor, yeah. uh, which I don't think the barbarians take very well. And so they, she gets kind of beat up yeah. and then, um, but she finds sanctuary in the church and dies of her, dies of her injuries. And so some people in the early uh, Roman martyrologies considered her a martyr because mm-hmm. she, she died, died of, of the, her, yeah. died of her injuries associated with that. Uh, but it's, there's a cool connection there with um, the sanctuary offered her, and Augustine talks about the even the barbarians who are Arian Christians mm-hmm. uh, allows the sanctuary of the churches and have a certain kind of respect for the churches. Mm. Uh, and so I, I just thought I would talk about that because it's a kind of cool it fact is, about the end cool. of her life and that line about her her storing her riches in the belly of the poor. That's like one of my favorite lines. I mean, it's awesome, and it, and it because she came from a wealthy family, it makes you think of Jesus's um, discourse with the rich young man. He says take all you have, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Um, but that great challenge, and you look at St. Marcella, and she was, she was very wealthy, and she had a lot, and she sold it all, gave it everything she had to the poor, and followed Christ, and she attained the eternal crown. So it's, it's just a really beautiful, lived example. Yeah, of, and of that, that verse, of course, is the same verse that inspired St. Anthony, Yeah, right, when he walks into the church, and St. Francis, and, yeah. and many others. Um, and one thing I think that's cool about Marcella, with respect to that verse in the vow of poverty, and this is also true of some other early Christian women, is that there, I don't know if this is necessarily like a feminine dimension of monasticism or something like that, but it really is like instead of going out and giving everything away and going into the desert, Mm -hmm. what Marcella does is invite people in such that her wealth is divested of her. So it's like a... And what a service to Rome, like this... Right to have this place <laughs> to have needed. this, and then yeah. on the Aventine Hill, right, one of these, yeah. um, the 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 hills of Rome, and so I just think that's a that's a very uh, beautiful image for all those of us who aren't going to give away everything mm-hmm. to the poor, but divesting ourselves right, yeah. by inviting others in to share what we have, mm-hmm. such that we become equal and a partner and a share in all those around us, that yeah. the good things that we have become the property of everyone else, you know, even though we're not, you know, personally actually going right. to only have Get, a tunic like St. Marcella yeah. or whatever. Uh, but uh, the way that the, a number of these monastic women, their estates become kind of just a community center, mm-hmm. right? Like when you talk about, oh, like in Jerome stopped by to teach us scripture. And, yeah. you know, it's like the whole society is being invited into this life of Christ yeah. by the transformation of this yeah. home estate in a, a city. 
Uh, I think that really, I think that really does say something about what we can do now. Many of us live in cities. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't live these lives that are separated from the world as some monastics. Uh, and mm -hmm. so thinking of our home as a domestic church, uh, you know, what is it like to be a domestic monastery or yeah. whatever? I think maybe some of these, some of these women uh, give us something to think about. Yeah, it's really, yeah, I, I like that a lot. And, and the, I don't know, just this recognizing, they recognize that everything that they had was given from God, and it, and then they allowed that to be used for a purpose uh, that was beyond just whatever accumulation or comfort for themselves, which is great. And then, yeah, and at the end, it's almost like even even the barbarians are sort of welcomed in to their poverty, yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. but they don't appreciate it, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they could have come. <laughs> um, is there anything else uh, from St. Marcella that you think we could uh, learn from today? I do think another thing Marcella embodies is... Um, <clears throat> sort of this idea that there's no conflict between living a very pious, holy life and living a life of the mind that's mm -hmm. very very active in seeking after God. And it really seems like Jerome emphasizes that this life that Marcella chose to live kind of really whet her appetite for the scriptures and it made her want to know more, mm -hmm. want to know more, want to know the Lord more deeply and want to be able to to share him with others by understanding the Bible. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes, for whatever reason, the sort of intellectual and spiritual life get divided. Separate, yeah. um, and maybe that has something to do with, you know, the university leaving the heart of the church mm -hmm. and through modernity. I don't know. There's all kinds of theories that you could have about that. But really, throughout the tradition, the life of the mind and the life of the heart go together. Yeah. Uh, and I think she really embodies that. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that is something that we are passionate here at the Augustine Institute. We have a wonderful graduate school uh, where Dr. Klein is a professor uh, that brings these two together uh, really wonderfully. You can check it out by just Googling the Augustine Institute um, Graduate School of Theology. Uh, and then on Formed, we have tons of stuff that, that can help us do this. We have Dr. Tim Gray's Daily Reflections that walk through the daily mass readings, which is scripture. And then we have the Amen app that has free daily readings that you can listen to. Um, but we hope that all of these conversations help all of us uh, do that to look at the beautiful history of the church and her saints, look at sacred scripture, look at the spiritual life and make sure that that is all brought together in a integrated whole that is actually being lived out. Because uh, that's really the only way the Christian life truly exists. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. We pray uh, that uh, all of these conversations bless you and that uh, St. Marcella can become a friend uh, to many of us. Thank you so much and God bless. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.